Let's pray. Gracious and holy God, uh, we come before you this morning as we continue to dig deeper into um, your text, your word, but also ourselves. Dear Lord, knowing that we cannot be the whole reconciled people that you have called us to be if we ignore any parts of our being, that we cannot be whole without emotionally healthy spirituality. Dear God, and so as we continue to look at the life of David, uh, Lord, be with us, because there's so much that we can learn. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So I had to wear my glasses today, because I typically cheat and have like a big, bolded print Bible, so I can pretend like my vision is 2020. Um, and Kayla pulled a switcheroo on me. I didn't realize the Pew Bibles were NIV, and I had been using the ESV, so I got to get another Bible. So now I got my, because <laughs> I got like the really little print and it's like, <laughs> anyway. So our topic today is things fall apart. Things fall apart. So sometimes things fall apart. Things don't go the way we plan. And when they do, how do you respond? How do we respond? Where does your mind go? Where does your heart go when it feels like everything in life has become chaotic and you're just trying to survive? The reality for us is that being in relationship with Jesus does not guarantee that we will not have struggles. Being in relationship with Christ does not mean that things won't go wrong. I don't care how closely we walk with God, bad things will happen in our lives. We will suffer disappointments. Things will not go our way. But if you're anything like me, when things start to fall apart, when things start to go wrong, I immediately start trying to find God's hand in it. When things are going crazy in my life, I immediately start to ask myself, what is God trying to do? What is it that I am trying to learn? Because one of the things that I realized in my journey of faith is that sometimes things go wrong and bad things happen because it's God-ordained. Sometimes things don't go our way because God is trying to develop something in us. He's trying to grow us or strengthen us, help us, something in us that's not present yet be developed through the struggle. But brothers and sisters, there are also times that the chaos in our lives is self-inflicted. That the things that we are going through are of our own design. And God is allowing us to go through them because he wants to remove something that is present in us that's not supposed to be there. And so when I think about the text today, if you've been reading the text, what you will see very quickly is that what is happening in the text with King David was the result of his own action. Part of this whole emotionally spirituality thing is being able to recognize when things are off, when things are going wrong. And it's not that God is against us, but it is the reality of our own inaction or action or turning away from God that is making things go crazy. 
And in those moments, if we can begin to recognize those things, then we have the ability to get past them and grow from them and actually get the lessons that God is trying to teach us. So there are a couple things that are happening in the text um, that are present and happening with King David that I think that we can take from today and maybe apply to our lives to help us kind of have a little bit better indication of where we are, where we've been, or if we find ourselves in the midst of a situation in chaos, we can begin to work our way through it. Now, this first thought is kind of a a, a carryover from last week to bridge us from last week's sermon to this week. And in verse 7, it says this. It says, then Nathan said to David, you are the man. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I anointed you king over Israel, and I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I think the first thing that, that pops out to me is that David had forgotten who he was called to be. Because remember, David was called to be king, and unlike the other kings in the area, David did not get to have free will. In other words, David did not have the ability to live without limits like the other kings did. The kings got to do whatever they wanted to do. But David, as king, was acting as the the emissary or the vessel for God. And so his kingship had limits, even though he had authority, even though he had power, even though he had all of these responsibilities. He did not just get to simply do whatever he wanted to do. Being king came with responsibilities and authority, and with that authority came the access that the normal people did not have. There was access that he got as king to do things that a normal person would not be able to do. And part of the responsibility that along with our God-given authority in any of the roles that we have, whether it's the role of a parent, whether it's the role of a husband or spouse, is to not lord the authority that God has given us over the people that we have been called to care for, but to know when our authority has to reach a certain limit. Part of knowing or being able to recognize if you are spiritually mature is knowing when you or recognizing when you have no longer, you no longer have the ability to self-impose limitations. One of the biggest signs that something is wrong is when we no longer have the desire to live within the boundaries that God has given us. Because we no longer can foresee that the consequences go beyond us. It's in those moments where we know what the word of God says. We know what God's desire for us is. We know what we should be doing. But the desires that we have outweigh our ability to say, but no, this has limits. So David, in this moment, as king, part of the problem that he had walked into is that he had forgotten the limits that were placed on him that came with the authority that he had. It's the reason why Nathan kept saying, uh, uh, you know, you killed Uriah the Hittite. That you took Uriah's wife. He was trying to remind him that he had kind of stepped outside of the boundaries as king. And what do we do when we realize we've stepped outside of the boundaries? That God has given us. One of the hardest things for me as a parent was to recognize and realize that just because I have children, I don't get to do whatever I want or say whatever I want to my kids. 
that there's actually a responsibility for me to humble myself in order for them to develop emotionally and spiritually. Which means the first time that I actually had to go to my daughter and say, I'm sorry, I was kind of like, whoa. Because I recognized that even though I was, I was given this great responsibility to help her grow, to help her develop, to help her love Jesus, to help her learn how to navigate what it meant to live life. And, 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 and if I did not do that in a responsible way, any of those things could change. And so if I came home and I yelled unnecessarily, there was this responsibility that I had to go and make it right. Because even though I pay a lot of the bills, and even though it's my name on the lease, and it's my car, because that's the speech that I used to give myself, right? It's my house, it's my car, it's my space. That I still had to serve my daughter. And how humbling it was for me to remember that part of the authority that I was given was to make my, submit myself to her as a parent. That's a hard pill to swallow. So King David had forgotten not only who he was called to be as king, but he had forgotten the responsibilities that came along with the job because David was quite literally chosen to be king. So part of the problem is that that David didn't earn any of the things that he had. David wasn't a, a son in the long line of succession of kings. So he, he wasn't born to be king. He was chosen. The scripture also tells us in verse 8, it says this. Here's why I need my glasses. All right. He says, I gave your master's house to you and your master's wives into your arm. I gave you all of Israel and Judah. And if all this had been too little, I would have given you even more. Why did you despise the word of the Lord by doing what is evil in his eyes? So here's what Nathan is reminding David. He was like, listen, you didn't work for anything that you had. I gave you the kingship. I gave you all of Saul's wives. Imagine how much money he saved on dates. Right? He didn't have to court any other wives. They were, they were just his. Right? He gave him the kingdom. He gave him an army. Right? So this was the kid that, that fought a giant with a slingshot and five smooth stones was now commanding the army. Nathan was reminding David, listen, I called you to be king. I called you to care for these people. I gave you everything you had. You didn't work for it. And yet you were so selfish. You were so wrapped up. And you had forgotten the responsibility of king. He was handed Saul's house. He was handed Saul's wives. And sometimes we forget where we come from and how we obtain the things that we have. Because we will say all the time, like, oh, the Lord is blessed. Oh, how are you doing? This is one of the, the sayings in the church I grew up in. You know, how are you doing today? And they would say, oh, I'm blessed and highly favored. You know, we always talk about how blessed we are. God is blessing me. God is watching over me. God is caring for me. But for whatever reason, when it comes to some of the things that we have accomplished, we kind of put God in the box. So God woke me up this morning, but he didn't have anything to do with my promotion. God gave me uh, the strength to think, to walk, and to move, but God didn't have anything to do with my, my marriage. Because I know it was only God that gave me the ability to snag brandy. Amen? <laughs> that, that was not of my own power. Right. 
So we, we, we selectively choose when we want to give God credit for the things that he's done. We try to compartmentalize God out of the blessings. And so David, in this moment, had forgotten that everything that he had and everything that he was was the result of God simply choosing him and blessing him and deciding to grant him all of this favor. And so part of the problem is when we find ourselves in chaotic moments and chaotic spaces, we have forgotten who God has called us to be, but we have also forgotten how we got to where we got. And in those moments when we start to rely on our own power and rely on our own strength and begin to drink our own Kool-Aid and believe our own press reports, you know, we've read our bios too many times and we, be, we begin to believe what it says. We forget that God is behind everything. So David had forgotten what he was called to be, but he, was, he had also forgotten the responsibilities that came with that role. The third thing, if you read verse 9, it says this. It says, why did you despise the word of the Lord by doing what is evil in his eyes? You struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword and took his wife to be your own. You killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. Now, therefore, the sword will never depart from your house because you despised me and took the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your own. This is what the Lord says, out of your own household, I am going to bring calamity on you. David had forgotten his love for God and his love for God's people. David had forgotten the very things that made God willing to use him. Nathan kept reminding David that Bathsheba was someone's wife. That our sins and the moments that we fall away are not victimless activities. When I find myself stressed and I go on the shopping spree and decide to, decide to buy multiple pair of Jordans, <laughs> it's not a victimless because somehow that affects my household. Not, when we find ourselves caught in patterns of sin, they're not done in a vacuum. Part of the problem is sometimes we think that we're not hurting anybody, but who gets hurt the most are the people that are often closest to us. Not only was Bathsheba somebody else's wife, but she was the wife of Uriah the Hittite, one of David's mighty men, one of David's elite fighters, one of the men who were loyal to David when he was running from Saul. This wasn't just, and not this would have made it any better, but this wasn't just a random person in the kingdom that David wouldn't have known if he saw him in the street. But the reason why David even had access because Uriah was so close to him. The, the commentators say that the reason why David was able to see Bathsheba in the first place is because of Uriah's place in David's army, which meant that their house was very close to the castle. 
So there was proximity here. And so David's sin, David's turning away, David forgetting his love for God and his love for people caused him to hurt people, but also people who was close to him. So when we find ourselves in chaotic moments and spaces, when we find ourselves struggling and sinking and sin, when we find ourselves unwilling to deal with the mess that's going on in our hearts, the people who will often get hurt are the people who are closest to us. David was inflicting harm on the people he was called to protect. Not just distant members of the kingdom, but people he called friend and people who in a lot of ways were responsible for his success. And it's not that in these moments that we begin to hate God or that we despise God. It's just in these moments of darkness and weakness, God is no longer our priority. And so often one of the ways to know that something is going on in us is that the love that we have for God that used to be a priority that drove our lives is no longer priority. And we find ourselves sinking in the ship of self-indulgence. Things fall apart. Because we forget who God has called us to be. Things fall apart sometimes because we forget the responsibilities that come along with the person that God has called us to be and the people that he has called us to. Things can fall apart because we don't love God's word as much as we used to. We don't spend as much time in it and we don't allow it to guide our lives and our hearts. But here's the joy in this passage. Because in verse 13, chapter 12, verse 13, it simply says this. It says, then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. David had forgotten his call. David had forgotten his responsibilities. David had forgotten his love for God and for people. But in this moment of clarity, in this moment where he was being confronted by a trusted voice, David remembered. There's something powerful about remembering. Because sometimes when we remember things that we have forgotten, it calls us back to the place that we're supposed to be. When we remember that we, 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 we married the love of our life for a reason. When, when we remember that our children are a blessing. When we remember that the jobs that we have, that we didn't get by our own strength. Like, yeah, we went to school. Yeah, we got degrees. Yeah, we interviewed. But the, but the thing inside of us that caused us to seek those jobs were also a gift from God. We will remember why we joined the church that we joined, why we came to Naperville Evangelical Covenant Church in the first place. We remember. There's something powerful that happens in that moment when we remember. And David, in this moment, after he was confronted, remembered. He says, I have sinned against the Lord. And I believe in that moment, what came back to him was the reality of his call, the reality of his relationship and the reality of his love for God that called him back to a moment that realized that I have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And it's in those moments of remembering that God can do his work in us. 
See, the problem with Saul is that when Saul was confronted by Samuel, Saul lied. Oh, I, I, I did what God told me to do. What are you talking about? And then he began to make excuses. Then he began to try to justify why he did what he did. But when the prophet confronted Nathan, when Nathan, the prophet confronted David, David said, I have sinned against God. In that moment, I believe redemption happened because scripture said that that Nathan replied, the Lord has taken away your sin. You are not going to die. See, brothers and sisters, we may make mistakes. We may have stuff going on in the midst of our lives falling apart, in the midst of the the self-inflicted struggle. When we remember, what we also remember is that Jesus Christ, through his blood and sacrifice, has taken away our sin, has taken away the power of sin and death, has given us the opportunity and new life to live in new relationship with him. So we don't have to suffer And it is because of that sacrifice that we have the opportunity to wake up day after day and live lives that bring glory and honor to God. So our stories don't have to end in the chaos. Our stories don't have to end in the pain, but our stories can end in moments of redemption because we remember that God loved us. We remember that God sent his son to die for us. We remember who God called us to be. And it is in those moments. That redemption happens. This moment for David was a moment of redemption because he remembered. David remembered. And so David's saving grace in the midst of all this turmoil was that even in his darkest moment, he still recognized and remembered the authority that God has on his life. The Lord, the steps often starts with remembering, remembering and recognizing. When we can admit that there are sometimes things going on under the surface, recognizing that we are not being the people that God called us to be, offers us an opportunity to partner with Jesus Christ in the redemptive work of the cross. So our story doesn't have to end there. But what comes next? After we remember, we have to ask ourselves the question, how did I get here? So next week, we'll keep diving into this and talk about and ask ourselves the question, how did did I get here? Because it's an understanding how we got to the places that we got. We can then begin to change the course and trajectory of our lives. Let's pray. Gracious God, we say thank you for your word for this moment. Be with us. Your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen.